Hello everyone, it's Brisbane Football Review coming to you on a Sunday evening for some instant reaction to the W League draw in the Hunter region. 1-1 between the Raw and the Newcastle Jets. James Scott and Adam here with you to recap what was another frustrating draw. Four games, four points for the Raw and overall it's not really what we would have been hoping for. Adam, how's your Sunday been? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a very uh, painful Sunday and... Uh, yeah, that didn't uh, that didn't help quell it. Yeah, I heard you got shot a few times. Oh yeah. <laughs> Scott, how are you going? I'm good. I don't play such ridiculous games. I'm fine. I was good good Sunday up until about five forty ish. We might talk about it. Yeah, that's it. Um, and of course, Scott, you are gearing up for a very very busy early Monday morning with a couple of big games across other competitions. Yes, I've got a season finale on tomorrow morning at 6am. I'm very much looking forward to that. and I don't want to talk about the English game coming up in the middle of the night because I just don't think it's going to go well. The banner of optimism here on the Brisbane Football Review, <laughs> folks. That's Scott for you. I'm extremely optimistic about my team's chances, aren't I? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's why, it's why we keep bringing you back week after week. Yeah. They're just constant rays of sunshine. Anyway, this I'll try is... and bring some of that now. Yes, this is the Brisbane Football Review. You can get in touch with us. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. Uh, email, brisbanefootballreview.com. Check out our live coverage of all the Brisbane Raw games and our NPL coverage as well, which will be restarting in about seven or eight weeks. Please don't flinch at that, Adam. And you can also find our podcast on all sorts of places. iTunes, Spotify, Wooshka. We like Wooshka. And... Uh, a whole bunch of other places as well feel free to leave a rating and a review we always love finding out that people are actually listening to us that is the whole reason why we do this and above all else we're very glad that you're joining us here with you now we are going to try and keep this relatively brisk compared to some of our other shows this is an instant reaction as well we're kind of running by seat of our pants Newcastle opened the scoring this evening in the 16th minute through Tara Andrews before Emily Gilnick got off the mark uh, for her season with a 54th minute goal. Some would say a much needed goal for Emily Gilnick. We'll start off with you, Scott. What were your overall thoughts on the game? Well, it was a much needed goal for Emily Gilnick, but I'll go right back to this. I thought that goal for Newcastle from Tara Andrews was just symptomatic of what was a really sluggish start for the Brisbane Raw, wasn't it? I mean, you could see it in the first five minutes that they weren't as sharp as Newcastle, they weren't as desperate as Newcastle. And I thought the application from the Jets was really good. And that goal was well-deserved. But the, the defending for that goal from Brisbane was really quite poor. I thought, and I think it just summed up the fact they started the game in a way which was not the best. They worked their way back into it and got the goal in the second half, obviously. But the start was... They played some good football in the first three games, James. That was This was probably their worst game of the season so far. Yeah, it's... Um, they, they had... Again, it was going to play as far as possession goes. First half... They dominate possession, but the problem was is that the possession they had it was really ineffective and wasteful at times. And look, to be to be frank, Newcastle probably could have put this game beyond doubt inside the first half. You know, if Sonny Franco doesn't hit the post twice, and uh, you know, Rana Polsina actually you know keep, keeps a shot down, um, 
yeah, th this could have been a lot worse going to half time than what it was. It's the one nil. So, um, look, yeah, I guess you you take your sort of chances as far as you know getting back in the game. But yeah, this this is a, a they dodged a bullet. Yeah, going into half time. I can't think of a better way to sum it up than what you just did there, Adam. I think it's only Franco hitting the post twice, channeling her inner Justin Tucker for the NFL fans who have been <laughs> tuning into sport all day today. Hitting the post twice in the space of well, like two uh, in the space of ten seconds there. I, I feel like the Raw were very fortunate to still be in the game after the first ten minutes because they were just or well, fifteen minutes even. They really were just unbelievably sluggish from the start. Obviously, you know, it, it does come with the caveat that the team did feel did think that they had a buy until, what was it, Tuesday when this match was announced? Tuesday or Wednesday? So obviously the preparation would have been a little bit haphazard, but for me, these are still professional footballers and they had five days to get ready for a match and it's not like they were just coming off, you know, a five-month off-season or something. It was a case of they'd played three days oh, they played four days beforehand and all of a sudden had to get back into training which I'm assuming they would have been doing anyway so yeah overall I think this overall with this sluggish start it just comes down to an attack that has just been really listless and timid I just I don't know what's going on but it seems like the players like front to back just seem to be stuck in their heads and it's really you know it, questions do have to be asked about what Jake Goodship is doing with these players getting them and whether it is something that even he's doing, or is it just an overall attitude issue in, in the squad? Yeah, look, uh, like so the, the the attack or the lack of one, as far as the application. Um, look, going to this game, you know, in 270 minutes of football, one goal, 67, 69 shots on goal, and 22 on target, which is which which would actually you know really dent the confidence of anyone that's you know an attacking player. So. Um, it's, it's, I guess it was a case of eventually then we've been seeing the praises of the defence for you know, the last three games. And it was only a matter of time before um, you know, so something something gave. And um, look, Sonny Franco in the first you know, 25, 30 minutes, she you know, made Jamila Rankin sort of give all sorts of problems down that, down that uh, right-hand flank. So, yeah, it was a case of um, finding the, at that rock-solid defence with a few cracks, but look, give credit to Newcastle as well. Um, Tara Andrews, you know, she's a very, very, you know, stoic, you know, attacker, and you know, she's she's pretty much scored all the goals for Newcastle this season, and um, and, and it's not the first time that she's sort of you know been a threat as well. Um, she's sort of been a constant sort of thorn in a lot of team side. So it's a case of you know, we've got to give Newcastle credit, but uh, yeah, the raw, it's just not going well at the moment, and. Look, I, I, they need to find some sort of confidence somewhere because I think it's severely lacking. Yeah, it is. And this is also one of those times where they've got that many experienced players in the squad. You know, the, the likes of Claire Polkinghorne, obviously, she has to get, you know, a lot of attention for this as well because I, I think she's an assistant coach on Good Ship staff as well. So, you know, she's got to find a way to toe that line between being a coach and a player. But at some point, someone's got to start asking questions saying, you know, why is this side underachieving for the second straight season. We saw them get off to an unbelievably slow start last W League campaign as well. And to be honest, I'm not really sure what excuses they can have that would be met with, you know, understanding, not just, you know, from the fan base, but at Raw HQ as well. Like, I, I know they had the same sort of expectations that we did. You know, we thought they would be competing for a title. Absolutely. We, I think, again, I said last week, two of us had them in the 
the premiership in first place at the end of the regular season, James, we all had them in the grand final. So we all I had, had them those. winning the grand final. Exactly. Mm. So, did I, so did I, but we all had them there. So we all had the high expectations of them. Back to the training briefly. It is a, there is a chance they were doing two very different types of training because I think I saw something the rule put out earlier in the week that they were doing that the yo-yo test, which absolutely oh, yes. very mm. few people enjoy. Now, that's probably not something you're going to want to be doing if you've got a game coming up in four or five days. So perhaps they were caught on the hop a little bit with doing some more fitness training to build, build up the players as opposed to football-specific spe- football training. But they still have four or five days after that to get ready for this game. So I don't think it's much of an excuse for the attack. I'm not sure what's wrong. I think the questions are being asked, though, because we'll probably get to the um, audio from Fox in a minute with with the coach and Emily Gilnick, but the questions are starting to be asked. I'm not sure what the answer is because the quality is there. The chances are there. I just I cannot work out how they cannot put some of these chances away. They're good chances. They're not half chances. Some of these are really, really good chances as not being taken. And I think we're all at a loss as to why they're not going in. Well, let's hear what Jake Goodship had to say to Fox after the match. Um, very frustrated, very disappointed. Um, we do enough. We play good football. We stand on the ball. We move the ball well. We dominate games in terms of stats, but we've got to win games. We've got to score goals. And it's getting to the point now where... It's almost, uh, it's just not good enough. Um, we're going to be better for it. Another week in training. We've got a big game next Friday against Victory to put it right. And, uh, yeah, we're excited for that game now. All right, thanks to Fox for that audio. That was the Raw W League coach, Jake Goodship, there. And I suppose, for me, it just comes back to the fact that this team just seems like mentally they they haven't quite clicked yet. I don't know if it's... You know, something to do with their pre-match preparation. They're not quite in the right headspace. But going forward, like, Mariel Hecker seems to be one of the few players, and I will say Katrina Gorey as well. Um, you know, they seem to be, you know, the few players that really look like they were trying to take chances on. And, you know, Gorey found herself, I feel, marked out of the match. Newcastle basically just went and said, oh, well, if we stop Gorey, that's going to cause a lot of trouble. And Newcastle's midfield, top to bottom, I thought, owned the Raw's uh, three in the midfield as well. You know, uh, Dalton, I thought, did okay, but McKenna and uh, Gorey found themselves really frustrated and marked out of the match. I think that's true until a Liv Chance came on. I thought when Liv Chance came on, the midfield started to flip back more into the Raw's favour. I thought I thought she had a massive impact in the way the game flowed in the second half and showed that I think that could be the answer. When Olivia Chance is ready to play more minutes for the Raw, hopefully this Friday against victory she might be able to start and play 60 minutes that might be something which is a catalyst to get the Raw's midfield getting that ascendancy but I thought she had a big impact but the starting midfield I, I agree I thought in the first half the Jets won the midfield battle pretty comprehensively and that's what gave them the foundation in the first half it changed a bit in the second but I think that's something that the Raw need to look at I think this was Letitia McKenna's quietest game in midfield I think the the stifling of Katrina Gorey which you mentioned James I think that also the flow on of that was Letitia McKenna couldn't get as much of the ball today as she normally does. And I think that's... So I do think the midfield is where the Jets really had a really solid game plan. I think they brought Cassidy Davis from their regular centre-back into midfield to do a ball-winning type role. I thought that worked really well for them. Yeah, look, yeah, you're right. I, I agree that I think Cassidy Davis and and um, Alicia Bass, I think, were 
were, yeah, superb in that midfield, really shutting down Letitia McKenna and Katrina Gorey. Uh, you're right, I agree that Letitia McKenna was largely unsighted for a lot of that um, contest, and I think that's more to do with the um, with the tough um, you know, Newcastle midfield. So, look, credit to them for, for um, you know, really coming with a game plan to, to stop that flow through the midfield, because obviously Gorey especially is so important to that the attacking flow. Definitely. Uh, one thing that you know did work in the Raw's favour is the fact that um, they were much better in the second half. I thought, you know, so- something must have been said in the changing rooms in the break that really did seem to. Look, I'm not going to say they you know went to performing at a ten out of ten level, but they definitely were significantly improved in the second half, and it was a goal from Emily Gilnick which got the Raw back into the match. Uh, this is what she had to say to Fox after the match. Yeah, look, I think frustration is the least of it right now. It's just so disappointing. I mean, four draws with the team we've got, it's honestly just not good enough. And I'm just, there's no other feeling other than just utterly disappointed. And I just feel embarrassed at this point on my own performance, on our team performance. We're so much better. And yeah, it's just, just not a good feeling. It's not four losses, but it's four draws. And look, it's just not good enough and not a good feeling at all. What's off at the moment, in your opinion? I mean, creating chances, just not finishing it as a striker, that's frustrating. I mean, I'm, I'm getting in positions, I'm creating chances, and we're all, we've all had chances, but um, we're just not converting, and I just don't think that we're, we're combining well enough and, and being as brave as I know we can be. We've, we've definitely got the talent, and we've got the plays, and we've got the work rate. We just, we just need to bring it all together, and right now we're, just, we're missing something, and just have to go back to the drawing board, prepare, work hard, do what we've been doing, and come back strong next week. Once again, thanks to Fox Sports for that audio. Uh, yeah, look, I, I want to go into a little bit more detail here on Emily Gilnick, but I will go into a Twitter comment that we got as well from Sven. Um, just talking about with the attack, it seems like they're lacking team play. It looks as if they're playing together for the first time, especially in offense. It seems like they haven't found a working formation yet. Maybe Yallop is a uh, missing key. And Gilnick overall... Uh, I put in the overall there. Gilnick disappointing despite her goal tonight. And when it comes to summing up the um, confidence of the Raw squad, especially in attack, you, for me, you need to look no further than Emily Gilnick. We saw, like, she was so frustrated and downcast after, for lack of a better phrase, wasting so many chances um, again, wasting so many chances against Canberra. And look, she scored uh, tonight. It was. I, I feel like she still did her best to scuff that chance, but at the end of the day, it went in, and that's hopefully something that she needs. But yeah, it's just it's just not clicking from Gilnick. Well, she showed it at the ground last week against Canberra. She, I think she voiced that in the clip you just heard there because it was very, very clearly disappointed in her own performances along with the fact that as a team, they weren't haven't been taking their chances. Look, in another universe... Emily Gilnick's got eight goals already this season and some of these chances start to fall in. So there's not as much wrong there as it might appear to be. It's just that some of these chances have to go in. And maybe the one that did go in today, which might not have been the best of finishes, might be might be the thing which can kick on into another week on Friday, another week of training, build the confidence up, did score that this week, build in for this game coming up. Might be, give her that bit of kick of confidence which can help get some of these chances to go in because the, the chances are there. I would be more concerned if there weren't any chances there. It is a concern that they've played for and drawn for, but it would be a much greater concern if they've played for, drawn for, and created a handful of chances across those games combined. There's, 
Do you, I think, how many do you mention? 80 odd shots now. I think it is Adam that they've had on goal in these four games. There's plenty of chances there. It's just that confidence in the front third and scoring goals is the only way you're going to build that. Yeah, look, I think, um, look, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think Emily Gillick's been that bad this season. I just think it's a case of we're disappointed. I think the fans are disappointed. She's disappointed by the lofty stands that she sets. Like I said, we look at Emily Gilnick as she was supposed to be the talismanic signing that was, you know, that was going to score the majority of the goals. And to only have one goal, I know they've only scored two goals this season. But um, yeah, look, you you're right, Scott. I think that you, know, you would have hoped that you know that there would be more goals already after four games if the Raw were going to be contenders this season. So yeah, I, it's like on the on sort of the face that she hasn't been that bad. Um, it's just yeah, we just expect more of her. And for me, it just goes back to confidence. She's just bereft of that, and you do wonder if you know she's not striking the ball cleanly and. Look, overall with the Raw's attackers, you know, that in, that includes, you know, players like McKenna coming forward, Hecker, Rosie Sutton, uh, Tamiki Yallop, who's been in there as well this season. The number of times where I've seen someone charging forward onto the goal, and at least with an angle to try and take on a shot, but looking up and going, oh, maybe there's someone in a better position and I'm going to try and square it to them. Trying to play that extra pass, that's where I feel like they're maybe being a little bit, a little mm. bit timid. You know, I want to see a striker you know, sit there and go oh hang on no I'm the striker I'm going to take on a shot and you know it's where you can look at you know someone like a Sam Kerr and you know from a more local perspective take a look at what Dylan Wenzel Halls does he goes oh, I've got the ball I'm 20 yards I can 20 yards away I can see the goal I'm going to have a strike maybe find a happy medium between the passing and just saying you know screw it I'm going to take on the shot but they do have that sort of uh, yeah, they just need to find someone there. There was a chance where Gilnick went through on around about the 80th minute, I think, and she played it with the outside of her foot through the legs of the Newcastle defender. When I sort of thought maybe she would have been better off, you know, thumping it with her left foot across the keeper, because that would have at least hopefully given the deflection uh, to Mariel Hecker a, ch- uh, a chance to fall to Mariel Hecker. Yeah, oh, look, that, that, just talking about that play, but that was still a decent save by uh, Claire Coelho. So, um, so yeah, I, I thought she couldn't do much... You know, much sort of more with that. However, again, it comes back to, you know, when your luck's out, um, yeah, those sort of things are getting tipped around the corner by um, by the keeper or whatnot. So, yeah, it's one of those ones where, look, I, I look at, you know, Mariel Hecker as well, that, you know, we, we've seen plenty of her in MPL the last two seasons, and a lot of the chances that she is fashioning, you that we, we, we'd see a berry in, at this level. I know W League is, you know, probably one and a half steps above what we're used to seeing, especially given some of the um, sides in the MPL here in Queensland. But again, it's almost like uh, her instincts sort of been curbed a little bit trying to fit into the raw system. So, yeah, it's just... Um, yeah, they've just got to... Fo- this is a whole attacking sort of, I guess, the attacking unit. They've just got to find it, you know, to be on the same um, hymn sheet because at the moment, it seems to be... Um, they seem to be almost getting into each other's roads. Yeah, and... And that goes back to, again, you know, something we've discussed a couple of times now where I, I go back to Jake Goodship and I wonder, you know, is he trying to just put his best 11 available players on the park rather than trying to play the players best suited uh, to the roles that he's asking them to do? Like, we saw Sean Fryer come on uh, to play left wing when Rosie Sutton got injured. And then uh, she wound up, you know, I would say having a pretty decent impact coming in uh, off that flank and that also uh, 
saw Gilnick move in a little bit more centrally, and that really did make a big difference, I thought. Well, that's where the goal came from, wasn't it? Really, it was Gilnick basically coming into a more central role. Yeah, it was a flick on from from Rosie Sutton to centre three, but I thought that's where the goal came from. I mean, we're talking about the chances, but if you think back, how many times was Claire Quaylo really forced into making some really good saves in this game? I think probably the best save of the game was from Georgina Worth in the in the 90th minute, I thought that was the best save of the game it was required. I mean, for all the chances today, I felt that it was the Raw's goalkeeper, Georgina Worth, who was more tested. And if you're going to have these chances, I think that, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Today, the chance, in the previous weeks, the chances we're talking about, they were, it was hitting the crossbar, hitting the post, a bit of bad luck. Today, it was generally off target. So I think, I think that's, a, that's another thing. But I do think that they're still heading in the right direction. Look, look, there's plenty of players in that front third who can change this. It took change games, James. They are. I know yeah. They're starting to lose some numbers, obviously, with the injuries that we'll get to. But I still think that they're. It, I'm I'm reaching for the panic button, but I'm not quite pressing it yet. Well, you did mention that save from uh, Georgina Worth right at the end, and that is one uh, positive that I definitely want to get to. I thought that the first goal that the Raw conceded that was soft from the entire back line. Not a whole lot, you know, you can really say beyond that, but that was a, that's got to be a confidence-boosting save for Georgina Worth, who, look, she's given up two goals this season, made some phenomenal saves, but the two goals that she's conceded are the ones that I feel like make keepers sit up at night and just, you know, wake up in a cold sweat. Yeah, look, and that's um, and that 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 strong save to deny Sophie Harding late in the game. Um, that that came after you know a couple of minutes early, where she went up for a corner and completely missed it, and was actually bailed out by her by her fellow defenders. So it's probably a good response. So look, and um, also as well, um, Georgina Worth, she was the one that actually kick-started that goal with the long ball up front, which got you know, the nod on from Sutton. No, and then I'm um, on to for Gilnick to go through. So look, she had she had a pretty decent game um, herself. A couple of but a couple of occasions where she was sort of a little bit either caught out of position or she uh, missed the ball completely. So again, a mixed bag. But look, to, to Scott's point, yeah, I agree that of the two keepers, um, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, Georgina Worth that was actually the more busy of the two. Okay, well, while we are in a good mood and discussing one of the positive moments for the Raw in this match. Uh, let's go into the player votes for our Brisbane Football Review Player of the Season. Adam, you know who Scott and I have voted for. That will be all revealed in the next little while, I suppose, at the end of the season when we do the full vote reveal. But you've got your three, which we're going to uh, announce on the show. Yep. Um, yeah. Look, uh, okay, so for my votes uh, tonight, uh, three points to Mariel Hecker. I thought I thought she was everywhere, both attacking and even defensively. In the back end of the game, she was in there, sort of defending. So I thought overall she had a good three, had a good uh, match. She'd be my player of the match. Uh, two two votes to uh, Winnie Heatley before she uh, came off injured. Um, look, I should she, she did an excellent job in not only covering um, her right side normally, but even in the second half as well, she, she was able to sort of, you know, really sort of control Sonny Franco, who was sort of, you know, running wild in that first half down that right wing. So I thought she had a great game. And for one point, I thought Liv Chance was very, very good when she came on. Um, and she sort of really did change the game. Um, for, for the Raw, which sort of gave them sort of at least a, a sniff of, you know, maybe taking all three points. So, yeah, three, three to Hacker, two to Heatley, and one to Chance. Yep, that can't really argue too much with that. Um, no votes for Jay O'Shea there, obviously, Scott. 
So you must be no, happy. Are we still going to post all those at the end of the season, are we? The I assume, public all... We, yeah, I assume we would. We will. Okay, now yeah. you did mention Winnie Heatley, and uh, that actually leads in perfectly to the final discussion point on this match. And what is, from a numbers perspective, a fairly thin Raw W League squad, it's managed to get significantly thinner as uh, Heatley was one of several players to leave with injuries, Scott. Yes, when he went off with a knee injury, so did Rosie Sutton. It looks like Rosie Sutton's injury may be a little more serious than that to Winnie Heatley. Fingers crossed both are able to play again in this W League season. We saw Katrina Gorey go off early in the second half, very early by her standards. It's, it's a very rare event you see Katrina Gorey substituted by the Brisbane Raw. So I'm not saying there's an injury there or not, but it's a very it's odd that Katrina Gorey would be subbed that early in the game. We've got Tamiki Yallop out injured as well, and there's only three fit players, James, now who are not one in the matchday squad today. There's the outfield players. You've got Caitlin Torpy, who's been in and out of the side this year. You've got Anna McGrath, who we saw play last. She did quite well in patches. Then you've got young Holly McQueen, who hasn't made her debut to this point. So there's not a lot of depth there, James, in terms of players to come into the side, particularly given we know that Billy Murphy was let go by the Raw late last week. So there's, there is a bit of a shortage of players at the moment. There's no doubt about that. Definitely, and that was actually the other story that uh, other W League story that we were going to bring up, and we may as well throw it in now. Billy Murphy has departed the Raw for the time being. Oh, and presumably that I would guess she's going to head back to NPL uh, Queensland, either Capalaba or maybe even follow Hanno to uh, Brisbane City. But it, it does mean that the Raw's playing stocks are unbelievably thin. However silver lining, I suppose, is the departure of Murphy does mean that there is at least one spot in the squad open, and if Sutton is going to be out for a little while longer, that's another uh, play that they may be able to bring in to help bolster numbers, Adam. Yeah, and I think we all, we're all in agreement who, you know, if, if Rosie Sutton's Shay gone Connors. for, yep, is, is out for a long while, um, yeah, I think we're all in agreement that, you know, Shay Connors has got to be the one to get the call, unless there's something that we don't know about. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's cer- certainly yeah. It's become a very threadbare sort of uh, squad. But it looks like that you know that, that at least Samiki Yalp might be back next week, um, according to Jake Goodship. So it we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, there there isn't much um, depth beyond uh, beyond this sort of this match day squads at the moment. I think they could bring in a couple of players this week. To be honest with you, I think you are allowed injury replacement still in the W League. So if Rosie Sutton's out for a prolonged period of time, perhaps that's our you could bring in Shea Connors and maybe you could go and get Cannon Clough from Lions SC or somebody else who can come in as an extra defensive option because you are going to need an extra bit of defensive cover now with so many players unavailable. And the timing has been unfortunate for Billy Murphy, isn't it? Because she's been on the bench for the first few weeks of the season, thought maybe I'm not going to get my chance perhaps. And then all of a sudden, Winnie Heatley has picked up an injury and probably would have made her debut today if she remained at the club. So it's been unfortunate, but I do think the raw they probably should be looking for some reinforcements to boost the numbers in the squad because it's looking a bit threadbare at the moment. And uh, when you did suggest Cannon Clough there, uh, Scott, I'm pretty sure I just heard Rob Askew swearing just as much as he did when Winnie Heatley went down in the first place. I'll be steering clear of Richlands then. (laughs) Well, that may may not be possible this Friday night (laughs) because the Raw are playing Melbourne Victory. Currently, venue is to be confirmed, but... I would assume it's either going to be Lion Stadium at Richlands or Dolphin Stadium up at Redcliffe. Uh, yeah, keep 
keep an eye on our socials when we find out we'll post it and let everybody know if they're know. still doing the three at each venue you'd have to assume this one's probably going to be at Lions otherwise that would be the third game at Dolphin so yeah you'd assume it's most likely going to be at Lions my, my theory on the venue is they're waiting to see what the exact crowd uh, restrictions will be come Friday night because I think the restrictions as they currently stand yeah at 1am Friday so that means if everything goes well and we really really hope it does um, oh, and they are allowed to have a few more people into the ground than a 50% capacity they're actually going to be able to have uh, I'm guessing the preference would be for Lions um, anyway so just quickly Adam uh, any changes to the Raw squad for Friday night? Oh, well, obviously, um, obviously, yeah, you, we think that Rosie Sutton probably, by, by, by all accounts, uh, the way she went off, um, yeah, I'd say that she's gone for this week. Uh, on a short turnaround, I think Winnie Heatley will be struggling to, to get back into uh, side. So there's, there's two changes right there that we could say definitely, and we don't know whether, you know, you know Katrina Gorey will be right to go. But... Um, like I said, again, we don't know if it's an injury or tactical or fatigue or whatever, but we also do know that Mickey Yelp will come back. So, so yeah, look, um, there, will, there will be changes. Uh, just We'll just see over the next couple of days how, how badly affect after the injury reports come through. Scott, would you bring in Sean Fryer and Caitlin Torpy as the two replacements, assuming that uh, Sutton and Heatley are unable to go? Yeah, I was going to mention Sean Fryer as well as a player who could come into the starting line. I think it could be even three changes. Caitlin Torpy in at right back. They're struggling for options there. I know both of you prefer Caitlin Torpy further forward. But, but I must. think at the moment, necessities yeah. demand that she plays at right back this week. I think Liv Chance has to start. Whether it's in midfield or in the front third, I believe that Liv Chance has to start the game on Friday night to give the Raw the best chance of winning. And I thought Sean Fryer combined quite well with her actually on that left-hand side. So maybe that's a combination you can look to use on Friday to try and exploit the victory. Definitely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our W League recap. We normally would take a break here, but because it's Sunday night and we all want to get to bed to watch the NFL in the morning, we're going to keep going straight into the news segment. And uh, there are two SBS stories which caught our eye in the last 24 hours. First one came from, I believe it was John Davidson. I apologize if I got that wrong. But uh, Warren Moon was talking about the possibility of a second Brisbane A-League team and presumably W-League as well, therefore. And he's saying that maybe not, now is not the right time to introduce a second Brisbane team. And look first, like, in all honesty, I have to fundamentally disagree with uh, Moon here. I think now is the perfect time to bring in a second Brisbane team, even if it is just to, uh, you know, maybe push the Raw into maybe just being a little bit more engaging. Adam? Yeah, uh, look, uh, that that's Warren Moon's opinion. Um, look, he's the head coach. Uh, that, that's that's uh, at the end of the day. That's that's probably above his pay grade as far. Like, not saying he doesn't not he's not entitled to his opinion, but as far as you know, sort of trying to really sort of put a, you know, what the club's position is on that. I, I think it's above his pay grade almost. And um, yeah, uh, I, I try I try not to get involved. My per- again, my personal feeling is that yes, that I think it should be. A second team because I think you know that would really pressure the raw into sort of you know having to make some decisions about as far as you know where they're going to be located for the future. But again, um, at the moment, it's one of those ones where it's nice to talk about. But yeah, okay. Just uh, quickly before we go to you there, Scott, I do want to read the yep. uh, couple of big quotes. The actual idea of it is a good one, and I'm not against it. But I think we should 
urge on the side of caution in the short term. Um, being honest, where would you position it and where would it go? At some stage in the future, we do need one, but I'd be cautious about one in the short term. And saying, and he also did mention there, there are other places it could be addressed. I do agree that you know Brisbane, Brisbane two is probably third on the list, maybe in terms of venues. I'd much rather see them go to Canberra and Hobart first. But in terms of not just Brisbane, but I do feel like the Raw need that sort of kick, you know, that Sydney got when the Wanderers came in, and hopefully what um, Sydney and the Wanderers will get now that MacArthur's in there and looking pretty good. Overall, it's just. Yeah, he does bring up a good point there. Where would you position it and where would it go? If you're not... I'm still not keen on necessarily just automatically handing it to one of the existing NPL clubs like Strikers, like City, just solely because, like, we've seen the rivalries at NPL level. Say you admit Strikers, you're not going to bring in a whole lot of people from, say, you know, the Ipswich Corridor to all of a sudden decide to support Strikers. You know, the ones that haven't supported the Raw already. I, I just kind of feel like... That is something that is going to... A lot of careful decision-making is going to need to go into that. Absolutely. And look, we've probably discussed this more than anything else on this show for the last five years, and there's that many questions and things we could bring up here that's probably not conducive to the quick show we're going to mm. do tonight. But you think about it, the, state, the comments there from Warren Marina is what I expect from the Brisbane Raw. They've been trying to position themselves as a one-team town for the short to medium-term future. State. Exactly, for at least the short to medium-term. So I think that's... That's understandable. I think any competition, I agree with you. I think the fact that competition had turned Sydney FC from a side which was languishing under Frank Farina and going nowhere to the, the behemoth we see now. And I think that the Wanderers pushed them to become that. Same with down there in Melbourne. City pushed victory to become what they were. Western United are pushing, pushing Melbourne City to start to improve their results in the men's game. I think MacArthur will start to push Western Sydney to become what they were in their initial stage. So I think the Raw need that push. I'm still at a complete loss as to how and where it's going to work at the moment, though, because if the Raw can't afford to play at Dolphin Stadium, I can't imagine a new team is going to be able to afford to play there. Yeah, at Suncorp Stadium, sorry. I can't imagine that they will be able to play there. So where would this team play? Because there's no boutique stadium in, in Brisbane that actually would be viable for a team in the... in in general anywhere because the fact that the Raw looked for one everywhere and they had to go to Morton Bay to find one. So I, I think that it would have to be in conjunction with a stadium being built somewhere. If Ipswich wants to have a team and they, they want to fund the stadium out there, fine. If somewhere in Brisbane's going to have a stadium that the Raw and this new team can move into, fine. But it's going to have to be done with a new stadium planned and probably ready to go before they start because you can't, you can't ask them to play at Suncorp because if the Raw can't sustain a crowd at Suncorp and they've got 15 years of history and three championships in the, at the A-League level to fall back on. How's a new team going to be able to do it? If they want to do it as quickly as possible, I think the only option in the short term is Gold Coast because they've got the stadium and I think Gold Coast United have do, done a better job this time than they did 15 years ago. They've actually gone and built some foundations down there on the Gold Coast which might, which should be able to have it. They've got a Academy on the men's side now. They've got a successful women's team. They've got a really good coach in their men's team now with Gray Pittick, and they're going to be really strong this season. So they're heading in the right direction. I think if you want it for the this year or t- the next 12 to 18 months, I think it's going to have to be them because I don't see, to your point, James, I don't see where a team in Brisbane just pops up from. I don't think an MPL team is going to be able to do it, and I don't know where a new team plays. 
I would love to see one because I think the Raw need it desperately. But I, I just don't. I can't envision where it happens at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, Adam, we're just going to go back to you for one more point on this, just yep. uh, in a second. Uh, yes, we do have a massive back catalogue of shows. <laughs> if you want to come back and hear our thoughts on A League expansion, and we probably will rehash them again when the APL or whatever it's called now announces that the competition will be expanding from 12 to 14 or 16 teams just on the two things you mentioned Scott the only way a second Brisbane team could justify playing here is if they are able to do a deal with Ballymore which is getting redeveloped for the Women's Rugby World Cup or they've got some generous benefactors with more cash than they know what to do with to basically underwrite the cost of playing at Suncorp Stadium or failing that a you know marketing magic potion that allows them to get 20,000 to each game which look we know there are that many football fans in Brisbane but how to engage with them I've got like if someone can work out how to do that then they're much more qualified than I am yeah message me and then I'll form the new A-League team there we if go if you know how to do it <laughs> yeah yeah actually I'm sure we actually I'm sure between the three of us we could come up with a strategy that will at least get some people on board anyway as for the Gold Coast you're right look those M1 derbies back in the day were phenomenal loved going down to Rabina for those and I feel like the biggest difference between uh, Gold Coast United version 2 and version 1 comes down to three simple words no Clive Palmer Adam uh, your quick thoughts on this yeah look I actually agree on as far as if, if yeah, they must have a, um, a a local presence you know to challenge Raw yeah look you, you find me that I'll be backing Gold Coast United as well I think it's the most logical choice it's still a bit of separation I don't know given the stadia situation within um, within sort of the greater Brisbane area I don't know if it, we're, they're ready for a competitive second team so let's go go with the Gold Coast so that, that'd be mine but yeah look a lot has to happen. Definitely. Okay, now, Scott, I know you've got one more thing to say. It'll take 15 seconds. Okay, I'm timing you. Go. Okay. Well, the last time we talked about this, I suggested the Moreton Bay region could be the home of a second team. If the Roar are going to move into that area, then that idea is completely kaput. So there's no, I can't see where a team could play in Brisbane. It's got to be the Gold Coast. Okay, there we go. You only used 13 seconds, so thank you very much for that. I told you. There we go. Okay, now the other story, and this is Roar-related... Kind of. Um, A-League, uh, this is from uh, John Durden on SBS The World Game once again. A-League could be set for a serious scheduling nightmare. No, this isn't just because of the COVID uh, border postponements that we've already seen this season. Uh, because the group stage of the 2021 Asian Champions League, which the Raw and Melbourne City are in the qualifying stage for, Sydney FC are already in, is set to clash with the final weeks of the regular season. Um Eastern half of the 2021 competition has been lined up to take place in the final week of April and the first week of May, which, given the current quarantine restrictions around Australia's borders, would basically rub any club that qualified, uh, so Sydney FC at least, and uh, look, I'll be honest, I think Melbourne City are almost, like, would be feeling pretty good about their chances, wouldn't rule out the rule getting in either, that basically rules them out for at least five to six weeks of A-League fixtures, which means they could be in for a very busy patch either side of those uh, fixtures, Adam. Yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see what, at the time, what the actual, um, you know, I guess the, the legal rulings as far as um, Australian travels and whether they're deemed as essential and you know, they actually can travel because obviously the with the completed ACL, uh, ACL 
competition. Uh, all those teams actually had to get special exemptions from the Australian government to travel, being essential workers. Look, I, I'm just, yeah, it's one of those ones where let's see what happens as far as, you know, I guess the climate, as far as, you know, you know as far as with the pandemic goes, because I just, yeah, for, for the Roar especially, I just don't know if, it, if you know, and I know Scott's going to vehemently agree with what I'm about to say, because I know how much he loves the ACL, but I don't know if, if this stage, it's worth it. I, I really think that, you know, you know, it, just the whole derailing your season for a chance at perhaps making the group stage where probably no chance. I know I know there's some very, very, very stiff penalties if they choose not to, but they may need the Australian government to bail them out like um, Johor did uh, for the previous, um, if it, in last year's one, where the Malaysian government just said, no, you're not going. We're not giving you permission to go. And that might be the only way. So I think um, if the club is a bit uneasy about going, that if they want to go or not, um, if they don't want to go, then they may need to talk DFAT very, very soon. I think putting all that aside, I think the FAA is going to push them to go. Given our standing in Asia, there's certain parts of Asia which are not overly fond of us being in there. I think we need to go and we need to represent Australia really well in Asia by turning up. And I think it would be a really big hit on the A-League season if you send the full squad over because... You're going to have to go... I assume these games are going to be played in a hub somewhere. Both the qualifiers and the actual group stage will be played in a hub somewhere. I assume the same location. But they're going to have to spend, what, two weeks or so, or a week over there, let's say, for the qualifiers, assuming they play both games, all three games and qualify. Then the two weeks for the group stage. So that's three weeks. You might need to go a week before that. So that's four. Two weeks back when you get... I was going to hotel quarantine. That's six weeks. That's six weeks worth of A-League games that they will have to catch up, which may be more than six games because there could be midweek A-League rounds around that point. They've got catch-up games with Perth and the New South the New South Wales seems to fit in. So you could be having to catch up. You could miss seven or eight A-League games in that period of time, which is a big chunk of your season. Depending on where it is as well. So if you're you going to go, you if you're going to go, you got to... If you're going to go, you got to do it properly. If you're going to if, if you're going to get on a plane and go to Asia, they've got to go all in on it. And look, if you're not going to go all in, don't go. Because it's just that big a hit to your A-League season. It's it's the same boat for Melbourne City. If they're going to go, they've got to go and go all in. If you get knocked out in the last round of qualifiers against a Chinese team, fine. You put you go for it, it didn't happen. But you've got to go for it. Yep. Or, or send the youth team. Yeah, that's it. Like... I don't want them to. I don't want them to. You know, half-ass it either. I, you know, if you're going to go, I want to see the likes of you know Tom Aldridge, Macaulay Gillespie, Scott McDonald. Send everybody. Send the house. Because hey, what's the worst that can happen? You go. Things don't go the way you'd hoped, and you know you might have to wind up fighting on two different fronts, like we have. We've seen, seen the worst that can happen last time. Let's not talk about it. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thankfully, I don't think they're going to be holding the group stage in Thailand this time. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, I think there's like you've got to go. You're right, but and as much as we do love football and think it is uh, rather essential to what you know to our enjoyment, it's not essential enough that I feel like these players should be skipping the queue and getting uh, vaccines before you know people who are slight in slightly more precarious positions than having to run around for ninety minutes once or twice a week. That I would love, I would like them to, but yeah, let, let's just get the uh, important professions sorted first. Anyway, um, with the A League coming up, the Raw's next game is uh, Wednesday night, so we'll be back with another show straight after that match as well. But 
In the meantime, a medial ligament injury to Jamie Young has us ready for the Freak Show Wednesday night. Adam, are you excited? Look, I'm interested to see how he goes. Um, it, it does trouble me a little bit that, you know, the half the fan base seems to really believe that the season's over now, that Jamie Young is out. But, um, look, I... I want to believe that you know, Macklin Freak is ready for this. That, that, you know, he hasn't, been, hasn't spent the last five, six years in the academy just to, you know, to spurn his opportunity the first chance. So, look, I wish him well, you know, and I don't, I think that, you know, you look at sort of some of his contemporaries, you know, in that sort of, I guess, the youth, the national youth setup, you know, the likes of a Daniel Margush or James Delenyov, who are doing very, very well for Western Sydney and, um, and uh, Adelaide United, respectively. Um, look, there's no reason to think that Macklin Freak cannot do the job for the Raw, especially just to deputise until Jamie Young gets back. So I think a lot of the, oh, the, you know, the season's over now, Jamie Young. I think it's one, I think, from a positive, that shows the standing of how much, how you know, popular Jamie Young is. But look, give the kid a chance. Yeah, that's it. And look, two, th- two quick things. Firstly, remember when uh, everyone wanted Jamie Young out of the club? secondly secondly I'm so glad this has happened like if Jamie Young had to get injured not that we you know support injuries here unless it's to you know players we really don't like Kevin Musket Um, and then I'm so glad this has happened now as opposed to say in early April mid-April when the fixtures are going to be coming thick and fast or you know in late May when you're looking at a finals campaign now we get to see exactly what Macklin Freak has got. Like, I think I think from what we know of him through the youth setup, he's more than capable. And look, best case scenario, you know, everything goes well. He emerges as a legitimate number one challenger to Jamie Young. Absolute worst case scenario, we know the Raw probably have to look for a backup goalkeeper uh, come the transfer window. And look, now's the time to find out. And this is exactly what you want your backup goalkeeper to be able to do. Step in when your number one gets injured. See, first thing I'll say is I expect Bond Scott to be added to the Raw squad as a as an injury replacement. We saw him in the in the um, MPL All Stars game where the Raw had him as a third keeper on the bench. I assume they'll probably sign him and sit him on the bench as the backup to Macklin Freight. To answer your first question, James, yeah, I'm really excited by Macklin getting his opportunity. This is why you have an academy. This is why you have a youth team. It's why they've invested five, six, seven years of development into Macklin Freak to for him to progress into this spot. We've talked about it in a season preview. He's ready for this. He was ready to challenge Jamie Young and be ready on on standby for an opportunity. Now, that's happened a lot sooner than a lot of people might have hoped or wanted or thought, but it's here, and he's ready for it. And, and I think this is it's interesting because Jamie Young, for such a long time, hasn't opened the door for anybody. Obviously, Robbie Fowler gave Max Crockham a chance to start last year, but really, ever since, ever since you think back to when... Michael Thier got injured right before round one, way back in the day under Mike Mulvey before all that mess happened and Jamie Young played. He's barely given anybody a sniff since then till now. So it's great that Macklin's going to get the opportunity and this is why you have an academy. And we're just about two years on, James, from the Raw winning their first and probably only Y-League championship. We're now at nine players from that squad who have made an A-League debut, all for the Brisbane Raw. You've got Freak now on... Probably on Wednesday, you've got Isaac Powell, Aaron Reardon, Courtney Perkins, Barnett, Zach Duncan, Mirza Muradovic, Shannon Brady, and Daniel Leck. So this is what the club has actually been about in the last few years anyways, giving young players an opportunity. So to me, he's ready for it, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him play against Newcastle on Wednesday night.
Absolutely. And it does increase, you know, the pressure on the likes of Tom Aldred and Macaulay Gillespie just to, you know, help the young goalkeeper through it. But look, we've seen the leadership that Aldred has had since day one with the club. And, you know, I, I fully expect him to, you know, do his bit to help him through. So the Raw, uh, they're playing Wednesday, 6 o'clock at Newcastle. It will be 18 days since their last match, which was, of course, that 3-1 victory over the victory. Uh, Adam, are you expecting any sort of rust? Uh, look, it's hard to, it's hard to know, um, given it's sort of the games are thick and fast and it's sort of yeah, an 18-day gap um, for, for numerous reasons. Um, look, it's especially with um, Newcastle that will be coming off a four-day turnaround themselves. So uh, I think I think there may be. I think it might be a little bit of sluggishness, but um, look, I think that they, they I think they're good enough uh, to to at least you know get something out of this trip to Newcastle. Definitely, Scott. Um, we've seen uh, images of Kudo on the training park. He's moving around. I'm assuming he will be involved in some way, shape, or form with the match day squad here. Well, again, this is what the 18-day break has done. It's given. Uh, we always thought this was about the time of the time of the year when Masato Kudo could be finding his way into the Brisbane Raw match day squad. He's had another two weeks worth of training now. I, they put out a clip of him today. I reckon he'll probably be involved, probably off the bench on Wednesday night. Danny Kim might even be back involved in the squad as well on Wednesday. So I think that's what this 18-day break has done. It's given them a chance to get everyone up to speed and ready to go. And I think, I think, look, Sydney FC and Western United have had a similar sort of break in their season, and neither of those looked overly sluggish to me over the weekend. So I don't expect there to be too much of that. But I actually think it'll hurt Newcastle more than it will Brisbane playing on the four-day break. Plus, they've just had their their third straight loss, and they're just they seem to be running up against a brick wall at the moment, just trying to find a way to make something happen. So I don't think it'll affect the Raw at all, really. There we go, Adam. Not, maybe maybe if they do play a game on the weekend after the game on Wednesday, that might be more of an issue, an issue than the Newcastle game itself. There we go. Okay, Adam, what are we going to be talking about Wednesday night after the Raw's match against Newcastle? Uh, I'm going to go with Raw. Raw takes uh, points from from Newcastle. It is a venue they do have a fairly good record mm. at. Scott, what are we going to be talking about Wednesday night? Macklin Freak clean sheet. Oh, I love the optimism. There's, we need. A I'm big... backing him in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, love the optimism. You know, see, we did call you the ray of sunshine for a reason. <laughs> All right. I'm glad I, I think... finally brought that 40-odd minutes into the show. Yeah, there we go. Yes, and on that note, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Yep, thanks, boys. Thank you, Scott. Enjoy your Monday morning. I'm sure you will. I'll try. Thank you once again, boys. That's it, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with another show after the A-League match Wednesday evening. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you then.